Welcome to Tight Ends, a fantasy football podcast based out of the UK uh, as ever and a returning uh, host. I'm Fitz and this week I'm actually joined by Lino, uh, one of our regulars. Lino, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. I'm how sure are you? you? I'm uh, not as well as you, but I'm, uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that in due course. And uh, also joined by Bezza of the Bezden Grizzlies. How are you doing, Barry? Up, Chief? Good, 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 good. Yeah, all good, man. All good. Right, boys. Well, uh, this week we, we don't have Flem. Uh, he's off uh, doing things. He hasn't actually told us what he's doing, but I'm sure it's very important business. So we're missing out on Flem this week, but uh, we've got a lot to get into. And as ever, we're going to kick off this week with What Three Things? All right, guys. So, what three things? So, we'll have one each. Um, Baza, why don't you kick us off? What jumped out to you uh, this week from NFL or fantasy football? I think it's, it's, it's not just this week. It is over the season. It's just what is happening with Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. It's very simple. I think at the end of the day, um, I got to be better. I got to play better. Um, this team, you know, this defense played their, their butts off tonight. You know, I let the team down tonight. And uh, the good thing is, uh, one thing I know about myself is I'm going to respond. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Broncos country. Let's go. Um, they're in a really tough division. Um, so we can't say they were necessarily Super Bowl contenders. But the, the commentary before the season started was, you know, massive quarterback play upgrade with Russell Wilson moving to, to Denver. And the reality is, is just not turning into that. Even seeing, you know, Pat McAfee's channel talking about the players don't really like playing with him. Uh, obviously, there was a coaching change in Denver this season, but he hasn't appeared to be that that special sauce they needed. And, and just, I'm really keen to see your opinion as to whether, is it the division? Is it a coaching change? Or is it, you know, that Russell Wilson is in the latter part of his career? So just to give you a few stats here, he is 5% down on his percentage of completions year over year. He scored 25 through 25 touchdowns last year uh, after 14 games. Only four touchdowns so far. So he's on track for 16. Um, he, his offense is the 18th ranked audit offense in terms of yardage. Last year, they were eighth. Um, they are 31st in points per game. 15 points Ouch. per game. Ouch. Right? That is four and a half points lower than the previous season. And actually, their time in possession is 31 minutes per game. They are in the top seven, eight teams. So they've got the possession. They've got decent-ish yardage. But fundamentally, their offense in terms of total yards and their points per game have absolutely plummeted. And before we go into conversations about defense and whatever else, they are pretty much the same as what they were last year in terms of turnovers, in terms of points per game. Actually, points per game, their defense is better. So I'm curious from your perspective, do you think Russell Wilson is overrated, overpaid? Or do you think it is a tough division and teething pains with a new coach? Minor. My, it does take, must take time to settle. Now, I know we saw Brady go from the Patriots to the Bucks and nothing changed. He was still fantastic. But I, I think there's an he was. I, I think there's an element of he needs time. Uh it will he's not he hasn't suddenly become a bad player overnight. Uh and I don't know, maybe you could argue the Seahawks coach was a genius or something. So yeah, I, I think he'll uh I, I thought he'd be a lot better. I uh I I picked him as my backup QB quite probably a little bit earlier than I should have. I thought he was a good option in case Jackson got injured like he did last season. And I went with uh, Jerry Judy as one of my receivers based off the fact that they said he'd be the next DK Metcalf. That was the, uh, that was the, uh, that was why I drafted him. Uh, same thing with Russell Wilson throwing to him. So yeah, I, I'm underwhelmed by how poor he's been. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think he's, uh, I think he will get better though. Yeah. yeah I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you, Lino. I think, I think if you look at, I think time is key. I know Brady's an exceptional 
talent and if we go by the moniker of GOAT, then if you take him aside, anyone joining a new team and a new scheme, it might take time. I think the O-line is massive. And I think that's something in fantasy we forget because you don't pick offensive linemen. It's like that and punters we don't pick, right? Every other position we pretty much pick. We don't pick offensive lines and offensive lines are so key to call about success, running game. I, I you know, I don't know. I'm I, I, I'm interested with the stats though. I'm interested in the stats because um, I was looking, I, was, I know you said you were going to pick up on this in this episode. His average passing per game at Denver is 7.4 yards uh, per pass. Um, his average for his career is only 7.8. So it's not much different with rushing. It's 4.3 yards this year. His career is 5.5. Um, you know, he's only lost one fumble on average. You know, he averages more than, you know, one every two games in his career. I don't know. I just, I'm with Lino. I, I, I think it's a really interesting pickup. And I just wonder whether it's more the team than it is, or the coaching, right, than it is the quarterback. Like, they should have beaten Seattle. Do you remember that game? Was it the first game of the season? Was it the first yeah. game of the season? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? And like they fumbled it on the, you know, red zone at least once, and mm. that botch up at the end when they went to kick it, like fucking, I don't know, fifty, sixty yards out. I mean, just they should have been Seattle. They would, that would have been a victory. I just, I, I think, I think, yeah. So I think all points you're making are valid. I think you and Lionel's perception, you, there isn't anything wrong with it. I think my point is simply this: there's obviously a perfect storm going on. There is a level of expectation. It's a huge salary. I mean, the man is earning like $57 million this season. Yeah. Um, there is obviously coaching changes. It is pretty much the toughest division in football. Um, but I just feel like there's an attitude problem with Russell Wilson. I feel like he's too big for his boots. Sure, he won a Super Bowl, but he won a Super Bowl with Marshawn Lynch and the Legion of Boom, right? He didn't do it on his own. So I think for me, I think... Will they improve? Yeah. But when your offense is that bad and you spend that little time at preseason doing your world tour, you know, fundamentally promoting who you are, I just don't think at his stage of his career, he's, he, 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 he looks like he wants to go and give it. I mean, the man scored four, through 40 touchdowns in 2020. You know, to be on track for 16, okay, let's give him benefit of 20. The production level drop is just absolutely huge. And it's not like Noah Fant and Sutton and Judy are bad players. So I'll go with you on takes time to settle in and scheme, mm-hmm. but you would expect Russell Wilson to take more chances with the run. You would expect him to be seen as more of a leader, and, and I don't think we're seeing that at this stage. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm not even confident of a winning season for him this season. Interesting. I, I guess it's one of those things. What is his motivation? It's that he's, he clearly made more money than he'll ever, ever need, that kind of stuff. Maybe some people just lose their uh, lose their edge. Or maybe the, I don't know, he's probably, I don't know, it, this isn't Seattle. It wasn't like that at Seattle. That might be something that's going through his mind. And that could tell things, oh, we didn't do it like this. We didn't do it like that. And he's, I don't know, he might be blaming everybody else and, I don't know, blaming that he can't, I don't know, sleep at night in Denver because his bed's not as comfortable. Whatever it might be, there are small things. <laughs> when you're that an elite athlete, we, I say, I, I can think of quite a few footballers where they've moved. Like Fernando Torres, for example, one of the best strikers in the league, joins a stronger team when he went Liverpool to Chelsea and then was horrendous. And, and I, I guess that is that is the thing. If, it, if there's something that's not right, you can't always put your... Put your finger on I, it. I, again, I, I won't disagree with you. I'll just close on this, which is the Seahawks, Seahawks are the eighth-ranked offense in the league. So they are basically 10 points up on, on, on the Broncos. Yeah, uh, They have four points per game more, and they've done that after he's left. All of their stats have gone up after he left. No, yeah, they're, not, they're not a spectacular team, but if you look at the limited changes they made at Seattle and you remove Russell Wilson, well... Anyway, let's move on. I'm not sold. Okay. Well, and, and one thing I'll before we move on to line before you move on to your uh, thing this week, Lino, I'll just say about Russell's contract. I think this year he's only on 17 million. Uh, not only, you know, his big money deal uh, really kicks in in a couple of years' time when it his goes signing up. To... Bonus of, his signing bonus of 50 million is this season. Yeah. So his actual salary, well, you're correct, but his signing bonus hits now and in yeah. next season. Like on average, yeah, forty million for his contract. He's a guaranteed one hundred and sixty-one million. Yeah, he yeah. was not 
have his player option until 2026. Yeah. Hey, it's Russell. Let's ride. Right, so, uh, <laughs> Lino. <laughs> Lino, let's ride on to your what thing. What's your one thing this week? Uh, it's done something very personal to me this week. It's the London Games. I went to, uh, with Barry and Ewan and uh, Steve, went to see um, the Giants versus the Packers. And Barkley takes it into the end zone for the go-ahead touchdown. Watch him. He's just going to take this thing all the way outside. Saquon Barkley, that is. And whatever the formation issues were last time, they got it figured out. They got the edge circled. And there goes And obviously a place that's very, very special to me, uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, place I frequent on a regular basis. It was just, I thought it was a fantastic event. But I'm so, I've got so much contradiction, how I'm feeling emotionally about it, like from a contradiction perspective. If the NFL... Sorry, if the Premier League decided to move one of my club's games to another country, I would riot. I think a lot of people, and that would be, I know, they talk about this, they've talked about it a few times. Uh, I appreciate the NFL is an American sport and that they want to expand it, whereas football gets played in pretty much every country. Mm. Uh, but the Premier League is, is, is the, it was told, is the main, main one. So, what a fantastic event! What a wonderful uh, stadium! The, you would not believe you're in the same place as you are when you watch football. I couldn't believe the difference between football fans uh, and American football fans. The atmosphere is completely different. The whole, I've never, I said to, I think I said to you, I've never seen the high street, Tottenham High Street, this busy. Yet there's still only 61,000 people in the stadium. It felt like there were more people getting away from the stadium, the queues to the shop. The queues to the bars were just so much busier than they would be at a, a Premier League football match. I know uh, Premier League would mean everyone comes from where they live. Some people will walk, some people get buses, some people will drive. Whereas I think the American football, a lot of people just go into central London and make their way on public transport to 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 Tottenham is what we, what we did. Mm-hmm. So I thought, yeah, a real, really, really fantastic event. Great for the NFL, great for you know, London, Tottenham, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think it's something that I'm, yeah, I absolutely love and would no, always want to do. I'm going to the Wembley game, which I'm really looking forward to seeing, hopefully seeing Russell Wilson play as well and uh, have a bit more opinion on him. But yeah, just thought it was an absolutely fantastic event. Obviously great to catch up with the guys, but uh, yeah, very much torn is what I feel like if uh, the Premier League was doing something like that. What was your take on it? You were there with him, Barry. Um. Well, they've changed. The games have changed. When when we first went to the games, you know, almost a decade ago, it was very much the casual fan or, you know, Americans based in Europe and they all came with their, their different jerseys on uh, and then a load of Germans. I think the main difference has happened now is you're getting travelling support. So there were 30,000 30, Packers fans in the stadium. It felt like a Packers home game. It really did. And it's the first time it's ever, for me, truly felt like that. So I think that... Um, had there not been as large a travelling support, yeah, I'd probably feel the same way as Andrew. I'd feel the contradiction of, hey, you've taken away the home game from me. You've taken it away from me. I'm losing that partisan support at home. I'm losing the comfort of being, you know, in my own house, ease of travel, whatever. But actually seeing the commitment of, you know, the Green Bay fans coming over, it was like a massive occasion. The amount of ones we met in the bar who were like, hey, we've come over here for the week. What an experience. I've never experienced an atmosphere like it. It's like college football here. Like the whole gang is here. And when we were in the bars and the stadiums, it was like that. It was like Andrew said, people were there early. They weren't sitting in pubs. They yeah. were all on the street, you know, enjoying the food, going to the merchandise stands, listening to the drum line. So I think it was a great showcase. I think the fact that there are, you know, 32 teams and generally speaking, you'll get a maximum of six to eight who come every single year. It's good enough rotation. Um, you know, you're only really going to lose a home game once every eight years, right? When you unless, you, well, unless, you're the, unless you're the Jags. Unless you're the Jaguars who have signed up to it, of course. But I don't know. I think it almost felt like a, a, a once a decade, once a lifetime thing that the American fans were doing. So as a season ticket holder, would I be pissed? Yeah, sure. But as an event, I think I think it's it's, it's really cool. And I think he's laying the groundwork for a London-based franchise and maybe a German-based franchise. The, f- the fan base is there. The excitement's there. 
And I think the behavior is about, hey, I'm going to do this once a year, not as Andrew does 25, 26 games a season, including cup games. Like, it does, it's not part of their life. It is a big occasion to look forward to. Um, I think that's my takeaway. Okay. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they, I mean, look, they're doing this to grow the fan base, but ultimately you've got to think they're going to put a team over in Europe, maybe London, if not more than one. So that's when it will kick. That'll be, that'll be really be the test for me. Um, I was at the game, the Viking Saints game the week before. And as you guys know, I think we've been to games most years that's been here and it's, it's, you're right, Barry, it's a great, you know, day out and it's a one-off. It's not 25 times like Andrew does a year to go to see his, uh, his Tottenham Hotspur. So, It'd be interesting. It'd be very interesting to see if fans get on board with a, one or more local franchises. Um, mm, yeah, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Two great games, right? Two great games, two weeks in a row. Fantastic. Fantastic. Can't complain. Uh, I have a question for you both. Obviously, you're uh, 49ers and Bears yeah. fan. Yeah. Okay. Let's say the Jacksonville Jaguars suddenly become the London Jaguars. Would you support them? Uh, I... I would probably have a strong affinity to them uh, and want them to do well. I don't know if I would immediately support them. I've been 49ers since the 80s, right? So that's like three and a bit decades of supporting a team. That's a long time to give up fandom. But would I go to games if I could? Yes. Would I want them to do well? Yes. You know, they'd be like a second team. You'd be like when you support teams in different countries. If you like, 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 you know, I, I've got an English team, but I also got a Scottish team. So it'd be a bit like that. Yeah, it, it fits is absolutely right. You know, I, I, I grew up in the south side of Glasgow. I'm a Rangers fan. That is my team. Um, when I moved to London, I moved in with Fitz. You know, I adopted Tottenham as my team because I was in North London, the only North London team. All the Arsenal uh, TV guys out there. Um, and it, it, it just, but I don't have the same emotional connection. Like, without, I mean, I was gutted when the Champions League final and we lost and all sort of stuff, but I don't suffer the highs and lows that you do, Andrew, and that you do, Fitz. And I think it'd be the same thing, you know, whereas for me as a Bears fan, you know, I was going to the pub with, with, with Fitz on Saturday and they were shouting, you know, Bears still suck, right? You know, I'm in proper <laughs> Indian territory. And I felt sorry for the Packers fans a little bit, but not really when Aaron Rodgers decided to blow it and basically they lost and they travelled all that way for a home game and they lost to the Giants of all teams. Uh, I, I had a chuckle. Uh, you know, I don't think I'd have that emotional reaction to the to the London Jaguars. Well, but you talk about sporting teams from the eighties. I proved my loyalty to the Giants from the eighties with that photo that my mum dug out. Me age probably about oh. eight, same haircut, and uh, wearing a Giants top. <laughs> Andrew, you turned up to the game in a 49ers cap. <laughs> you have you have statues of Tom Brady on uh. yourself, right? So please, publicly on this podcast, can you please just declare your loyalty to the New York Giants and Tom Brady for as long as he's still going? I'll let you have that one. one you only. need to stick the Patriots, the <laughs> Niners, everywhere else in the goddamn bin. Okay, so it's Giants Will from now on. Will you do that publicly? Are the Giants your team? Winning record, 4-1, and one, yeah. Barclays trolling along. Come on. Will you do it? Yeah, why not? I love, I love New York. It's my favourite place in the world. If I could go anywhere other than London, it's uh, New York. There's, there's so we're going to have a bonfire then. Hmm? We're having a bonfire. Everything else is getting burned. Oh, no, 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 not, 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 not the Brady jersey or the other stuff. But yeah, I'll let, we'll I, let you off. We'll let you off Brady because that's a part of your soul which would basically die if we made you do anything to that. Well, hold. On. I just want to make a point that you love the New York Giants because you love New York. I think there's a team called the New York Jets that would be well they, deserved. They were the New Jersey Jets when I was a kid. Well, the New Jersey Jets are more probably similar to your Reading Renegades in our Anglo Scott Fantasy League, to be honest. So, I, uh, <laughs> I just, Tony Soprano wanted the Jets, so that, oh. that might be the reason. There you go. Well, it's good to know you're pinning your colours to the Giants finally. And uh, yeah, good, a good thing from you this week with the London games. Um, look, we're, I'm going to be quick on my one because we're running short on time. Um, my uh, thing this week is the roughing the passer call on Tom Brady. We were just talking about Tom Brady. Now, if you caught anything from the uh, Falcons-Buccaneers game, and I can't imagine many people did, maybe you caught a bit on Red Zone or you'd seen a clip on YouTube or something, 
Uh, Buccaneers dominated. Falcons were like zero points and then suddenly came right back into it. Big Mo was with them. Big momentum. They scored uh, two times in a row and they were just about to stop Brady uh, in the fourth quarter and, and get the ball back and have a shot at winning it. And then he got a roughing the passer call. Take down Detroit. Tom Brady on third down. Scans the field and gets sacked. Brady Jarrett brings him down. But then a flag flies. A flag comes out at the end of the play. Oh my goodness. This is going to go on Atlanta. Breaking Falcons hearts. Yeah, I, I don't think Brady slammed Tom to the ground. I, I think he's coming around and he's got him by the hips and he's rolling through the tackle. I'm with you, coach. I, I, I don't understand that one. Brady's coming all the, the way. The uh, defensive here. lineman, um, uh, Grady Jarrett for the uh, Falcons, kind of pick, grabbed him, arms around the waist. I can understand if you see the clip why the referees flew through the flag, right? Because he held on throughout the whole process of the tackle, but he didn't slam him to the ground the way other players get slammed to the ground. Um, but they get they release as they slam them to the ground, which is in a more violent way. So my thing this week is. Is the roughing the pass of sort of penalty? And this all links back to our, the conversation about concussions, all right? Is it a bit too subjective? Yes. I also think it matters who the quarterback is. And I think some are naturally more. I think it goes back to, again, bringing back to football. Manchester United, Liverpool always got the big decisions at home. That was generally, I think that you, you can't not have a bias. Everybody knows that quarterback's Brady. Everyone knows that quarterback's Mahomes. People don't suddenly think, oh, no. I'm sure um, uh, the Patriots standing QB, Zapla, Zupla, uh, I'm sure he, he's not getting the protection that Brady would get. I, I, I guarantee on that. It, I think it's. Uh, I think you earn the reputation and they, then they get protected. Yeah. I saw um, the, uh, the Raiders were massively disappointed last night for what happened with Mahomes. Mm. Uh, I, I think those reputations are earned. They're not necessarily right, mm. but I think it is. I think it a lot depends on who the QB is, who the head coach is, and what the get. What, what, I think, yeah, that's my view. Barry? I don't think it's, it's it's possible to disagree with what what Landry says. It's it's almost the ten thousand hour rule. You know, if you're if you're if you're Tom Brady, or Michael Jordan in basketball, or Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi, you learn how to read and react to situations. So, you know, if if you're seeing a player through a game, you think is is you know he's jumping the line or contacts a little bit long. You're you're chirping to the refs. You're telling the refs that you're seeing this. You know. Uh, or if you think there's been a really bad call, you're you're pointing it out, putting it in that seed of doubt in there. And if you are a high-profile player, if you're a MVP candidate, if you're a Patrick Mahomes, if you're a Tom Brady, and you've got the heritage, you've got the respect of the refs. You are a franchise player. No ref wants to be responsible for you know the injury related to to, to that guy, or no one wants to get chewed out. I'm not saying the ref was thinking about it as they called it, but I do think that the reaction time to the call. Um, is very much related to who it was on and the situation. You know, you're you're, you're talking about a game-ending play yep. on the greatest player of all time, and th those two factors, you know, were, were were a big part of it. So I don't know. It's a difficult situation the league finds themselves in in terms of setting a precedent with, you know, officials protecting the quarterback given what's happened to Tua and the, the concussion protocol and everything else. But at the same time it is sort of getting in the way of aggressive defense. And, and as Brady himself said on a podcast afterwards, hey, it was a long, unwelcome hug. Yeah. Right. But he yeah. said, I don't throw the flags. I don't throw the flags. I might comment on the flags, but I don't, I don't throw the flags. Yeah. But I, he got right. I like your, I like your analysis of chirping away. We've all seen him do that. And I'm sure he's not just him. I'm sure I'll just do it. But, oh, um, it, 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 you, you want to see, you, you expect it, and it happens in every sport. I think there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, as long as you're not saying anything too offensive, uh, too rude. I think it's, I think it, we, you see it at all levels. There's somebody, it's experience, and I think I think there's a, 
there's an art to it as well. And you're you're paying for that when you when you put that when like, the Bucks uh, went for Brady, they knew what they were getting. They get they get a um, someone who is more savvy on the pitch than Jameis Winston. Yeah, and that that that's that's exactly what they pay for. You don't put that in his highlight reel, but it is something. But it doesn't make me laugh. When I first got into the NFL, uh, one of the first players I planned to draft was Andrew Luck. Uh, he retired shortly before I draft, and they showed a clip of him on Sky, uh, and it was him basically saying what they liked about him was every time he got hit, he'd say to the the, the offensive uh, defensive player, "Great tackle, great hit, nice one," and it was very very funny. Just him being absolutely put, like taken out, and he seemed to have a. I know he retired through injury, so it's slightly ironic on that. But he seemed to be really sort of welcoming of the uh, mm. of the tackles, and that was it was a great clip. It was a thirty second clip of him just being absolutely uh, annihilated, and then just complimenting the, the tackler each time, which was something. If you listeners, if you know where that compilation clip is at us at tight ends on uh, pod on Twitter and let us know where it is so we can share it because I'd like to see that clip. Um, Guys, really good three things. Before we move on to this week's uh, Anglo-Scott Fantasy Football League results, I just have to pull you up, Andrew Lino. Again, on names, the quarterback, the third string quarterback for the uh, Patriots is not Zoopla. It's it's Bailey's uh, Zap. Z-A-P-P-E. I, I don't know. I'm personally, it's not all I know is it's not Zoopla, right? I think Zoopla is like a card game or something. No, I think, think Zoopla is a place you go buy a house or a second hand car, one of the two. Or something, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Fleming, <laughs> uh, in good uh, good luck, Flem, when you edit this and produce this, because that was a long, uh, what, three things segment, guys. Thanks very much. So, guys, thanks very much for that. Uh, let's move on to the Anglo Scott Fantasy Football League results, week five. Chilton Stallions 172, Reading Renegades 190, OBS Wolfpack 218, Bears Den Grizzlies 223, Essex Mouseketeers 218, The Fleet Baby Sharks 186, and the Ockengain Alligators 182. Bonali ball bags are 198. That leaves the Anglo Scott Fantasy League standings after five weeks. The uh, surprising, maybe not to the manager, uh, Bears and Grizzlies top on four and one, uh, standing atop on their own. Stallions dropped to three and two, second place alongside the ball bags and sharks. Uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh are all tied on two and three records. That's the Wolfpack, Musketeers, and the Renegades. And then at rock bottom, the Ockingham Alligators and manager Ewan Broward on a one and four record. Uh, where he belongs. And where, he be- <laughs> where he belongs. Right, guys. Oh. Look- <laughs> and, I'm, I'm, and you saw him at the weekend, and I'm sure he's uh, feeling the pain of uh, being rock bottom all on his own some at the moment. But let's uh, let's dive into the uh, weekly matchups. Uh, we're going to start with uh, the Stallions Renegades game. One seven two for Stallions uh, to one ninety for the Renegades. Um, let's hear the very unfortunate voice note I left ahead of the weekend games uh, that was recorded on Saturday. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. I need to be the ball bag. So uh, it's the uh, commissioner of the ASFL, the GM of the Stallions, and it's Saturday. I'm out with the uh, managers of the Alligators. Bro, say hello. Hello. The uh, Bears Den Grizzlies man, Barry Rankin. What's up? And the uh, Wolfpack Bot Pack man, Steve Bland. Yo, yo. And I'm just saying ahead of Sunday, I don't know what that yo-yo is about, uh, ahead of Sunday I'm saying that I'm really comfortable about my bye week this week against the Reading Renegades. I'm, I'm booking in my commissioner reaction early, so uh, Fleming, yes, the Stallions will be 4-1. Four and one, four and one. Four and one this week will be we'll be joint top of the league by uh, end of this week. And let's check in on the uh, voice note you left the commissioner's hotline, uh, Lino. After being ridiculed during the week and on the podcast, uh, talk about being the weakest franchise, talk about probably tanking for next season, which I'd never do. Well, maybe. Uh, and yeah, uh, claims of the Stallions having a bye week. 
let's be honest, we battered them. Absolutely battered them. Uh, new New York acquisition, Amari Cooper, he came up trumps. I'm not sure Najee Harris, who I was criticised for trading, had a particularly good good week. So, yeah, all good. And obviously the great part about it, I actually went to watch some NFL at Tottenham, Packers versus Giants, and I was there to see the man Lazard get a touchdown. I celebrated it probably a little bit, it's a little bit keener than I should have. But, yeah, good week, good win. Right, Lionel, you must be pretty pleased with that. I am very pleased, naturally. Obviously, I was listening to the podcast on the way up to uh, the games on Saturday where it was described as a bye week by yourself. Uh, uh, Leving basically described it as the weakest franchise he'd ever seen in the history of the league. (laughs) And obviously, my star player was uh, Gabe Davis and I left him on the bench. So, yeah, there were early touchdowns as well. So, yeah, I was predicted to lose, then predicted it was going to be close, then I was predicted to win, and when I got back from London, I was predicted to win. I was absolutely delighted to wake up on, on Monday morning, or Sunday morning, Monday morning even, and see that I'd won. I didn't even have to wait for uh, Monday Night Football, but both of us had used all our players. So, yeah, back in it, and I'm over the moon, over the moon with my there's, two and three there's, there's two bits I want to say about this, which made the weekend so joyful after the commission's audacious pint-in-hand chat about being violent. <laughs> One is, on. there was a trade last week of Amari oh. Cooper for Nadi Harris, yeah. and the commission was not happy, didn't want the trade to go through. As per our league rules as a vote, it goes through, and Amari Cooper goes and posts 20 points uh, for the Renegades. The second point I love about this is nothing to do with Fitz. It was watching uh, Lionel in the stands cheering on Alan Lazard and every single touch of the ball he got, like he'd scored a goal, like he'd scored a touchdown, every time he got the ball. You can see all the fans looking, who is this mental case? This like Alan Lazard's half-brother. He was absolutely losing his shit every time he touched the ball. Uh, even when he didn't get thrown the ball and he thought it was, it was a raucous roar. So uh, loved his passion for the team. That win meant a lot to him. That really did. I, 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 I genuinely really felt I had to win this because no one wants to be one for you. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, <laughs> no one wants to be one for at this stage. And yeah, I think I would the self that would have crept in. Uh, and yeah, I, would, I wouldn't have tanked. I would have uh, uh, carried on going. But yeah, it just uh, gives me a little bit of breathing space for now. But yeah, the the sixth place is still in, still in, still the target. Any any given Sunday, even in fantasy football. Any, I mean, look, I was three and zero, top of the league after three weeks. So I'm now second and three and two. Like anything can happen in this game. Injuries. Anything can happen. But I'm I'm curious about how you feel about your chances because we did notice a sneaky pickup of Odell Beckham Jr. this week in the. <laughs> Do you know something we don't, or is that you pressing the panic button? What's going on? I, uh, I'll, I'll just say this because uh, we've got to move on to the next matchup um, because we're only short on time. But I will say that uh, I, my strength is my receiver room, and we've got buys coming up. And all the chatter I've been hearing and reading is about OBJ weighing up options, which clubs he's going to go to. He's almost recovered. And I'm like, I'm looking down the line to the end of the season when we're going to need, wins are going to be vital and when we hit the playoffs. And I think if he's on a team, he'll pick a successful team, right? He's not going to go and join Texans. He'll join the Bills. He'll join the Rams or the Ravens or Chiefs or someone like that. He'll join someone who's in contention with a good quarterback. And I'm like, I could do with, just build on strength, strength on strength. Keep building on your strength. And that's my, my, my thinking. So, you know, what are you, what are you showing? A picture of Beckham uh, in a uh, Packers jersey. Well, he, I mean, if he becomes new, if he became the new Adams for Rogers, I take that. Anyway, uh, let's move on to uh, matchup number two, and that's the Wolfpack against your Grizzlies, uh, Baza. Uh, Wolfpack two eighteen to your two two three, uh, and you had a big big result from Kelsey last night, or Kelsey, depending on how you pronounce it. Second down, goal to go. McKinnon stays in at running back. Mahomes takes the snap at the one and the five. In trouble, moves out past Crosby. Fires it late. Kelsey at the catch inside the 10. Stiff arms one. Now two. Now three. Stumbles into the end zone. Touchdown. A hat trick. Go on. Go on. Go on. Go on. 
All right, Barry, you must be pretty uh, pretty uh, happy with yourself. You know, all the chat at the start of the season was you don't have a first-round pick, you'd be lucky to make the playoffs. And after five weeks, um, you're four and one at the top. And, I mean, 2-2-3 two, two, to two eighteen. that's a good result against the uh, Wolfpack, the champs from last year. Oh, absolutely. Chuffed. I was trying to play it cool at the weekend, sitting right next to him at the game, yeah. and then stupidly getting influenced playing uh, AJ Dillon just because he was playing live and regretting <laughs> it for the whole fucking game. Um, but let's, let's be honest here, guys. You all wrote me off. You all laughed at me at the trade last year. It didn't work out for me. But after we did the draft, you we were all like, oh, the team doesn't actually look that bad. But uh, no, I'm chuffed. I'm happy. Uh, I think my, my, my draft strategy of, of picking up Kelchi and then following very quickly with Josh Allen is definitely paying off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Keenan Allen's injury has helped Mike Williams get over um, breakout player of the year was Marquise Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, what will be interesting for me is I've got DeAndre Hopkins on the bench. So when Hopkins comes back from his naughty little suspension, um, what's going to happen with Marquise Brown's production? I could end up with a little bit of a headache there. Uh, but yeah, good win. Uh, good competitive banter between me and Steve over the weekend. I think he's pretty gutted. He's quite good at playing his poker face, but I think he's pretty damn pissed off. Oh, yeah. That he's off his pedestal now. The bot pack is not winning. Uh, Cup is not saving him. No. Two and three record, and next week they face the Stallions in a rivalry for him, at least. So it'll be a must win for him to get back onto winning ways. Um, I'm going to move on to our third matchup, and I'm going to come to you for reflections, Lino. We've got the Essex Musketeers, who are maybe starting to earn their Musketeer title. They won this week 218 to 186 against the Byfleet Baby Sharks of uh, Nick Water. So Lino, you're uh, you joined the league with uh, Nick the, of the Byfleet Sharks at the same time five years ago. Yeah, H- how do you think he's feeling right now after uh, losing and slipping up against the Musketeers? I think he's more worried about what his tea time is at the weekend. So. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so he had quite some pretty decent performance, but you notice that quite a lot of his players got zero points, whether that was injuries or they just didn't get tackles or, or whatever. So, yeah, mm-hmm. looking at what some of his players scored, uh, some big points, but then a running back only getting five points, it's it's it's, it's great to see. Great yeah. to see him. Well, he's, he had two defensive players with zero points. So, yeah. in itself, it's, it's a probably a, a bit of a weakness for the Sharks. But, yeah, good to, good to see them kind of brought back down. Like you said, he probably doesn't realise. He's probably more worried about his 14-foot part that he's got coming up on the 17th pole right now. But, yeah, uh, yeah. good win for the... I, I, I just want to chime in quickly on, on, on. Sharks, because I love the man. He's great. Walter, fantastic chat. He really is. Love Wally. Uh, whatever you can find him, he's great. Um, but the reality is he's flattering to deceive. He's got fifth highest points... And he basically had the, the, the lowest total of points against. So the lowest total of points against is at him. He's sitting in fourth. Well done to him. But he's had some good matchups. He's had some good matchups in his favour. He's still got to take on at me in week seven. Uh, he's got his rivalry week against the Renegades again in week eight. Uh, I can't remember who he's got this week. He's got the ball bags this week. Again, perennial table toppers, the ball bags. So he's yep. got two tough games. They're going to even out his other thing. You know, congrats to him. He's had a few big wins thanks to Jalen Hurts and, and, and our lovely friend Tyreek Hill. But fundamentally, uh, he's flattering to deceive. It's all going to come crumbling down. You heard it here first, crumbling down for the Sharks before the season's even at the halfway point. Okay, let's move on to our final matchup from this week, week five. It was the Ockengain Alligators in the Edinburgh Derby at 182. Outscored by the Benali Bags, 198 Fleming's own team. Uh, Ockengain Alligators dropped to one and four records. The Bob Eggs go to three and two. Uh, before we go to Barry uh, for a reflection from a fellow Scott, let's hear what the uh, GMs left on the commissioner's voicemail. Flem here, um, GM of the Benali Bob Eggs, uh, week five review, and I'm gutted. I'm absolutely gutted. Gutted, that is, that for the first week I'm not recording the pod when I absolutely demolished the alligators. Call it a rivalry, you can't call it a rivalry anymore. I had two players that scored no points and I still absolutely shoved it up him. There's no other way to describe it. 
like the real Edinburgh Derby, there's only one team in Edinburgh. I am officially over this rivalry. You can't call it a rivalry. Broadwood, I'm moving on. Bye-bye. All right, Basil, what do you think of the uh, result? I thought it was absolutely spectacular. <laughs> it was <What>? fantastic. <laughs> was 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 just the, the the sheer bravado that came out of the Gators GM mouth last week because he'd won one. All of a sudden, he'd found his voice. He was he was on a roll. He he was ready to take on his his his, his rival in Edinburgh, who lives down the road. And and the the, the memory that will live long with me is when Saquon Barkley left the game with an injury, apparently to his shoulder, like Lino celebrating Alan Lazard. You know, Ewan was giving it a, come on, it's all mine. He was absolutely all over it. But then he came back and Saquon caught a few good passes. And I, honestly, I've got a fantastic photo of him with a thousand yards there where his, you know, his entire dreams are just crumbling in front of him. Um, <laughs> the, the whole game was worth it for that. Uh, I don't really care much about the stats, just his pain, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the the one thing that stood out to me was he's been for weeks complaining about his running backs, Eckler and Cook. And Eckler got over, in our PPR league, he got over 36 points and Cook got over 26 points. It was the rest of his team that just shat the bed. He was given, in London, he was given it the whole, I, 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 I'm part of that. I was calling them out on Twitter. I was calling Eckler a fraud. I sent a message <laughs> to Cook, telling them they need to pull their socks up. Look at how they reacted. And you're like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. He thinks he's going to be absolutely stewing. He put Hawkinson in. That's true. 0.6, and he benched regular Higby, got 11.6. His Panthers defense on the bench, 26 points versus 12 points. If he played Wentz over uh, Herbert, he'd have won. Any of one of those three decisions would have made him win the game, and that's probably keeping him up at night, and that's what keeps us going. I mean, that what, uh, that he's a horrendously bad GM and all of his failures are down to his own choices. No, no. For the person who kept Davis on the bench, I'm not one to comment. I've won. I've won. I, I, I know, but having watched that, watched that touchdown a few times, even on the BBC website today, it was it just suddenly appeared. I was like, it's trolling me. <laughs> anyway, right, chaps. That's our week. Uh, Five concluded our review and uh, as ever, a quick look ahead to week six in the Anglo Scott Fantasy Football League. We've got my Stallions, second in the league, three and two, facing off against the Wolfpack, two and three. We've got the Renegades for you, Lionel, against the Mouseketeers, uh, two, two and two, three teams. That'll be an interesting one. Someone will come out on top and become three and three. We've got Barry, your Bears and Grizzlies facing those dastardly Ockengain Alligators, top versus bottom. That should be one-sided. Let's see if it works out that way. And then finally, uh, the Byfleet Sharks against the Boarbags, uh, two, three and two teams facing off against each other at week six in the Anglo-Scot Fantasy League. Okay, guys. Um, welcome back, folks, to the final segment. As ever, we're in any other business, miscellaneous, any other kind of talking points. Um, I've had one question DM'd to me on Twitter, actually. Um, uh, it's from da- Darren, but he's um, sir, his uh, handle is under, uh, sorry, at Dazza underscore uh, six. Um, he asks, are there any forfeits in our league for coming bottom? We get a wooden spoon and then ridiculed for the next 12 months. Mm. But that's uh, it. Which, having one, two spoons and being ridiculed for 12 months is pretty bad. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I've seen ones of people walking down the street doing the Game of Thrones, shame, 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 which I don't think you want to do. And I think it would be quite likely that it would, it would Right, next two or three years, I'd be doing it. So I'm, I'm quite happy with a wooden spoon and uh, being ridiculed on, on a WhatsApp group. Well, you- I, 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 I'm not. Head, mid-season summit, uh, we should ask uh, people to, to send in um, ideas and recommendations for forfeits for the league to vote on at our mid-season summit. Yep. That, I mean, that's perfect, Barry. So listeners, if you've got any uh, end-of-season uh, forfeits for the last place team, uh, at Titans Pod on Twitter, Instagram, um, uh, and also our email that I'll re- refer to at the end of the uh, recording. Please do send your suggestions in. 
Um, and, and it's quite apt that I'm asking you two because you two have the most bottom place finishes than anyone else in this league. Um, so it's uh, <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. And we'll, we'll, we will discuss it at the mid-season summit, um, which we'll probably uh, refer to in the podcast in a few weeks' time. Um, one AOB that I did want to raise with you both this week is uh, team brandings. So uh, our Angular Scott Fantasy League has been running for 10 years. Um, uh, Bazo and I have been in it for that long, along with Fleming and uh, Broward. Um, uh, Lino, you and uh, Nick Walter have been in it for five, and then we've got the uh, two other guys in it for a year each. You very kindly, as we mentioned, I think in our very first podcast, Lino, you did loads of logos and brandings for the teams. You came along and kind of really jazzed up kind of our very amateurish uh, efforts in the Anglo-Scott Fantasy League, and it forced me to suddenly create a logo for the league and, and, and do videos and all kinds of stuff. Um at the uh, at the weekend, we're out on Saturday in London. Uh, Baz and I with Steve of the Wolfpack and Broward of the uh, Alligators. And uh, Baz, do you want to just kind of walk the listeners through what we stumbled across? Well, we we were we were in the courtyard. We saw brilliant branding for some beer or brewery called Wolfpack. We sort of suggested to to Steve he should change it, and he was like, "No, no, no! I've come up with mine. I love it." And then it was sort of like. Yeah, and we designed our own logos, and yours were ripped off. And and me and and uh, you and I are sitting there going, "What?" I thought I thought you know Andrew would use his PowerPoint skills. He designed those logos and blah blah blah. No, no, no. He just completely ripped them off for other teams. So mine are the Victoria Grizzlies. Um, you know, you in some sort of college team, not the Florida Gators, but but another Alligators team. Yep. So we just basically spent the next five minutes going through Google and just seeing where our logos would actually come from and we're <laughs> mo- absolutely mortified that you know, we'd lost our identity so uh so there was a petition for rebranding lino lino just, just, come just, on just just on this what do you think i do for a living <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i'm not a graphic designer that they are very, they're professional logos google images is your friend and yeah <laughs> I, I, <laughs> some, I think some, one of you asked me how I did it. I just went on Google and then just chose I, a mm, I around. I don't recall you admitting you Googled it. I admit, I recall you taking all the plaudits and the thanks of the league when you came up with these logos. I don't recall the I don't recall the admission that you'd basically ripped off some other team's official logos and just stuck in a different name on the top. It, 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 it takes about five minutes to do each logo. So, yeah. yeah. We, we were giving him so many plaudits, so yeah. we were so grateful for his helmet ordering and, oh, amazing, fantastic. So, you know, I'm not saying it was an extensive effort, but I thought maybe it's a little bit more than that. Um, and, so, yeah, and, so there is, there, there is a thought of do we rebrand? But there is an elephant There is an elephant in the room here in on. regards to logos and branding. That is credit to everyone having a mascot, right? So whether it's the Stallions, whether it's the Grizzlies, whether it's the Renegades, there is, you know, a logo, an icon, a mascot. The Banali ball bags have got some sort of quadrophenia inspired <laughs> dartboard looking logo, but they're called the ball bags, right? So do be clear here. If they want to maintain that name, they're going to have to put a ball sack on their helmet. Okay. Otherwise, that name cannot stand. And I, th- I think, you know, again, mid-season vote on that. Yeah. Um, and I'll just throw, and I think I'll throw my hat in the ring and this is forfeit for finishing bottom of the league is... You have to go dressed as your mascot to next year's NFL London game. And I would love to see you and Fleming dressed as a ball bag, you know, cheering on the Jaguar, Jacksonville Jaguars. That would be awesome. I mean, that's a great idea. I mean, uh, Lino, when you did uh, the ball bags logo, or, sorry, when you did it, when you ripped it off, what did you, what did you Google for that image? Ball bags. You go- literally Googled ball bags and it Not came up more. with a dartboard. Not on my work logo or work laptop. No, of course not. Yeah, I, but I remember when I think Barry I might have had a. I might have told you you needed to change your name to something. You were called. You you were briefly called something like the Bear. bear. I was called the. Uh, I live in Bears Den, so I yeah. called myself the Bears Den. Yeah, which, which I, I thought was a good play hard, but there was there, but there was a petition to remove, and I listened to that, and I went, okay, that's fine. So in the same way, I am challenging. Mr. Fleming, you either need to follow the mascot rules or change your name. Again, by the way, for like the fourth time. Anyway. So, so this is this has now become Logo Gate for us. <laughs> uh, 
for Fleming, you're not here today. You'll be producing this and editing it, so you might even edit this bit out. Uh, hopefully you don't, because I think it's a fair challenge. It's something we will discuss as a league at our mid-season summit. And uh, yeah, um, I think as it stands today, uh, the current champs have their own logo. I have my own logo. Pretty much everybody else has ripped off logos. So uh, six out of our eight teams have ripped off logos. So actually, if there's anybody listening to this, and we've got listeners from all over Europe, Australia, Canada, the US, uh, all parts of the UK, I think we're over. We're in several hundred now. Uh, people listening. Anybody out there with any skills better than Googling um, who wants to design a team logo for the Bearsden Grizzlies, the Ockingane Alligators, the Benali Boarbags, albeit pending a name change, maybe uh, the Byfleet Sharks um, or the es- Essex Musketeers. If you feel like giving a stab at it, do please uh, have a go. Um, contact us uh, at Tight Ends Pod on Twitter uh, and Instagram and uh, send us your efforts. And if there's anything that's brilliant, we're going to take it and use it because, to be honest, we're not going to be using ripped off logos anymore. Oh, man, I've got I've oh. more helmets. <laughs> well, yeah, we have new helmets, but I, I do have this sort of weird, perverse idea of the Essex Musketeers having like Dog Tanyon on the side of their helmet. I would, I would love to see that. That would be epic. I, I want I want a Mouseketeer because I just still see them as the Mouseketeers in my my world. Because until they have a winning record, they will always be Mouseketeers. I mean, again, that could be his 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 you know wooden spoon forfeit that he has to rebrand as the Mouseketeers. That could be a good one. That would be a very good one. Um, both of you. The thing that's concerning me. You talked about the person who's probably most likely to have to come as fancy dress next year. Yep. Do they do alligator costumes that small? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to be an improvement on his current look. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty we sure paint, we, we could just paint him green. Be fine. Yeah, we'll do that. Right, folks, uh, gentlemen, thank you for your company this evening. Uh, pleasure as always, um, folks. If you do happen to have listened to this podcast and you thought it was half decent chat and you enjoyed our banter and discussion, please do subscribe. Uh, whether you're listening to us on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a review, five stars if you liked it would be most helpful because that encourages other people to come across the pod. And a review would be most welcome too. And as ever, as I mentioned earlier, at Titans Pod on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, and our email uh, do get in touch and we'd love to see your efforts at redesigning some of our team logos Um, and we will speak to you next week see you later